0: peace of Christ be with you. As you gather into this place, I invite you to slow down, to take a few deep breaths, that you might fully arrive here, that you might open yourself to the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, among us, all around us. Friends, now let us worship in beloved community.
1: Good morning. Standing or sitting, let us join in the call to worship. Listen for the one who calls. We yearn to recognize your voice, O God. Release yourself from the pressure to know the way. We let go of the expectation to go alone. Look for the way of Christ alive in the world.
0: be seated. Welcome to worship here at Westminster. We're really glad to see you this morning, whether you've been coming for a long time or you're new. And if you're a visitor, a special welcome to you. Going through the doors of a new church can be a daunting experience, but we want you to know it's a safe place. We want to make it a safe place for you. And we trust that while we think we have something to offer here, we recognize that you come bearing Christ's light as well, and we know that you have something to offer us. On that note, it helps to get to know one another if we wear our name tags. So uh, just a reminder as we're getting back into the swing of things, if you're a member here, you should have a name tag out there. If not, let us know. Uh, if you're a member or a longtime attender, I should say. If you're new here, I believe on the welcome table there are name tags to fill out. If not, there will be soon. Encourage you to do that. Just because everybody thinks they're bad at names, we're actually all just equal at names, and um, it just makes it easier so nobody feels bashful about asking the second or third time, wait, what was your name? That helps us connect as a community. Uh, On that same note, if you'd want to send us a message, including sending us your contact information, is it on there? Oh, it's not on there this time. Okay, usually we have a QR code in the bulletin, but we also have the Attendance registers in the pews, those little booklets, during the offering after you've passed the plates, if you wouldn't mind passing those down and back and filling them out. That does two things. One, it allows the people around you to know who you are, so you can get acquainted, greet each other by name after the service. Also, if you'd like to leave us your contact information, it helps us connect to you. So both of those things are important. Now, as we continue to enter into the spirit of worship, Let's join our voices and our hearts with offering the community prayer that you'll find in your bulletin. Let us pray. We live in such a noisy world, O God. There are so many competing voices that it can be difficult to know to whom to listen. Sometimes we struggle to listen to the voice within us. Sometimes, even when we do, it's unclear. Forgive us for when we have chosen poorly. Relieve us of the pressure to have it all figured out. Clarify your voice in the midst of so many others. Tune our ears to Christ, that we might recognize what is of God all around us. Broaden our perspective, bind us to one another, and lead us in your way. Amen and our own prayers continue in the quiet. friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ, there is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Know that we have been set free. Know that we have been forgiven and be at peace. Amen. Another one of the ways that we connect and build up the bonds of this beloved community is to share what's going on in our lives. We share our joys or our sorrows or things that we're carrying in our hearts. So, if you have something you'd like to lift up before the congregation, just raise your hand and I'll call on you and speak as loudly as you can. Yeah, Rebecca. I'd like to ask the people of Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. And everyone in the world who doesn't have access to clean drinking water. Yeah, thank you, Rebecca. She um, reminds us of the plight of those in Jackson, Mississippi. You've been following the news, no doubt you've seen that. Folks with no water to drink. At least at one point, no water even to use to wash things or flush toilets or any of that. It makes me also think of the people in Sudan and the people of Pakistan right now suffering under unbelievable flooding. And last I read, which was several days ago, 200,000 homes in Pakistan washed away. So even as we see too much water in other places, we know the heat and drought in those um, as well. So our hearts open around that. Others... Clark, it's good to see you here, by the way. <laughs> I'm really glad. To, go ahead.
2: Well, grateful thanks to everyone for your
0: prayers and just to, uh, the joy just rejoicing over that. Yeah, Great. we join in Clark and rejoicing in him and being alive and, and well after going through some real health struggles and some scary moments. And we're really glad to see you here. Yeah. Sandra, also thrilled to see you here today. Right. Thank you so much. Sandra shares gratitude for the prayers offered for her, and we're really happy to have her with us today. Others? Yeah, Mimi. Prayers from a family who had to part with their beloved foster baby yesterday. Oh. Yeah. 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 And for the record, you don't, nobody has to not cry here, right? <laughs> it's a real gift to give somebody your tears. But if you don't know, Mimi's um, son and daughter-in-law are real saints. They, they foster children, many, uh, over and over and over. And what a gift that is to the child and to the community. And they had to say goodbye to one yesterday who got adopted, which is, of course, a good thing. But one can only imagine what that parting is like. So lots of prayers for them. Others? Yeah, definitely. it's wonderful to have you and Forrest here, and they're giving thanks for this community, and one of the things, they're going to be traveling to see family, so traveling mercies to both of you, and then we will see each other again in Kentucky, where a number of us will be gathering to um, do some repair, some of, uh, from the tornado damage, others will be doing repair from some of the repair I will attempt to do, and we'll mess up. Um, but another thing that Deb shared, which is really wonderful, is they were married during the pandemic but they didn't have a chance to have a church wedding. So during a worship service, in the fall at some point, we will bless their marriage. What a cool thing, right? What a cool thing. Let's come together in prayer. Holy One, you ask for us to build a community where tears are held with care. I think to build a community where laughter is celebrated. Where we can experience joy, where we can stretch one another to grow and to grow in faith, where we can live out humbly the embodiment of the way of Christ in this world. So we offer all that we've shared and all that we hold in the deep recesses of our hearts to you in prayer as an offering. And even though we experience many things and come from different places, perhaps are oriented in different ways, we join our hearts in this task, just as we join our voices now in offering the prayer that Jesus the Christ taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
3: Good morning. Well I wonder if you like to color. Do you like the color? Do you like the color? Oh what <laughs> that's a good that's exactly what I would ask. Is it like uh, you know, yellow is five, green is three, that kind of thing? I like coloring that. Do do you like to draw? Just do you ever just draw on paper for no reason? No? You do, Alexandria? That's great. Well, I have some pictures I want to show you. These are some of the more famous artists uh, that have been. This is my favorite artist. This is by a man named Vincent van Gogh. Tell me, what do you notice in this picture? Yeah, what do you notice? It
2: doesn't look realistic, but it does look realistic.
3: Yeah, it's kind of, it looks realistic, but not at the same time. What do you notice, Alexandria? Oh, a lot of the same kind of colors. And maybe different shades of the same color. Okay. Let's go to another one. Here, what do this is another one. It's by a man named Edward Hopper. I think that's right. Is that right? For more I'm not an art art person myself, which is why I'm asking you. What do you (laughs) notice about this one? Yes, sir. That looks realistic. More realistic. Yeah, just barely though. Yeah. Not quite a picture.
2: But it looks kind
3: of realistic. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to show you one that you probably know better. Uh, this is from another very famous artist. Okay. Yeah, what do you notice about this one? The guy in the top hat thing. The guy with the top hat? Who is that? It's a doctor. Yeah, The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Suits. Okay, here you go. Another one you may have seen before. There you go. Have you seen this one before? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, you have that one too. What do you notice about this picture? Yes, sir. I watched it before. You watched it? Yes, you've read the book. This is from Where the Wild Things Are. I read that book last night. Last night? Right before you read your Bible, right? Good. good, very good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I only have two more to show you, okay? This is from someone about your age. His name was Muhammad el ramani He's from Egypt, and he colored this. What do you notice about this picture? Uh, yes, sir.
2: It looks like it was drawn by marker, and mm-hmm. it looks like a young person drawing it. It doesn't look the best.
3: That is really good. Yeah, well, I think it looks fantastic. Uh, how do you think it looks? From a child, yeah, it looks great, yeah. And I think you're right. That's really, really good that you notice it's mostly marker. Okay, one more. This is by a friend of mine, Randy. There, he said his favorite painter is Rembrandt. So I found this one here, and this is one of his paintings. Yes, sir. That
2: looks perfectly perfect. old, in the olden
3: day realistic. Maybe you and Randy could be friends. You could have the same fam- favorite painter. I said it looks perfect, Randy. Wow, what a endorsement well i wonder this when we color and paint things we create all these images things from our imagination and we put it on paper or canvas or something and then i wonder when god has an idea in its mind what does that image look like what kinds of creations does god make and then even more if you notice this one what are these people doing Uh, can you tell i think Let's zoom it in. Okay. Yeah. Can get a closer look? Eating. They're eating. Huh. Yeah. So, in this person's mind, they're having a meal together. And some of you will talk about what kind of meal Jesus would have with his friends when it's a really important meal. Hold on. It's kind
2: of so, hard to look because it was
3: taken or taken, yeah. In like and, eight eighteen hundreds. You'd have to ask Rand Randy can tell you all about Rembrandt, I'm sure, after worship service is over. But for now we're going to learn more about the kind of thing kind of paintings, kind of creations that God makes, and the kind of meals that Jesus would have with his friends. So our friends, we're gonna walk out this way to our classes together and learn more about those things. So let's go.
1: first scripture reading today is from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. Listen for what the Spirit is saying. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to
0: God. And the second reading comes from Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter, verses 18 to 22. Continue to listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This, too, is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Who can tell me where in Scripture this occurs? God helps those who help themselves. And don't answer aloud, I've got more. We'll take a test, okay? Everything happens for a reason. God works in mysterious ways. God only gives you what you can handle. You know your Bibles. Where where is that? Oh, It's nowhere! (laughs) Trick question. Yeah. A friend and colleague of mine, Jenny McDevitt, who's a pastor in Columbia, South Carolina, did a whole series titled, Things Jesus Didn't Say. (laughs) The premise of which is we elevate certain things to the level of gospel that really aren't. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a, a wrinkle of truth in some, maybe many, maybe even all of those sayings. But it helps point out to us what in, largely our culture lifts up as absolutes that may or may not be in total sync with the heart of what we say we are about. Now, as I mentioned earlier, they're not necessarily all you know, bad or, or false. I, I think there's a piece that's redeemable in each of these. I mean, I think God does work in mysterious ways. That was actually a phrase written by uh, a famous hymn writer, although I think in part Jesus reveals and and demystifies how God works and shows us very clearly how God works. I cringe when I hear people do that God helps those who help themselves, not because I don't think we have some responsibility for how we live our lives and we all should be doing our share and making a good faith effort. But because so often that kind of thinking gets used to excuse not caring for people who really need it. And sometimes people who can't care for themselves. And excusing others who have incredible excess but choose not to share or to care for those beyond them the way they could perhaps. So sometimes there's a a shadow side to each of those. It's the time of year when in the last several weeks we have watched those in the church send their children, their adult children, off to college. And some, for the first time, and I'm reminded of one of these kind of cultural aphorisms that we often send young people out into the world with, and that is this. Follow your passion. That's what we tell them to do. Now, we should say from the outset Behind that is a really wonderful thing. I mean, what a gift it is. What a luxury, if we're going to be honest, it is to be able to have choices, to be told, well, you get to follow your passion because so many people in so many places throughout much of history have had no choice about what they do. And so I don't want to ignore the privilege of having people and resources that allow you to make some choices about your life. The question is, is that really all there is to life? Should that be the guiding principle? Though we've sort of lifted it up to be that one. And there are all kinds of potential problems with that. What if what if you don't know what your passion is? I don't know about for you, but for me it was an exercise in complete absurdity to try to declare a major as a freshman. I mean what for some of you, God love you. You found it right away, and you kept going. And well, actually, God love you. I don't know about that. I resent you a little bit. But, but my better self would say God, God love you. But many, because for many of us, it's an unfolding and painful process and a confusing one. So maybe you don't know your passion. Well, what if you know your passion, but it's not lucrative? Because we've done this weird thing where we we say we have to marry your passion to your paid employment. And for the lucky few, that works out, and that's wonderful. What an incredible blessing. But that's not realistic for a society, I don't think. And so what happens then? Or what happens if you find your passion, but it's not really responsible, but you, you dedicate your entire life to it? Uh, I'm, uh, I love watching documentaries about mountain climbers. I think it's amazing. I never want to do it, But I want to watch other people do it. I belong on the ground. Two steps up. This is as high as you're going to see me get, probably. But what they do is incredible. And and the the athletic feats and the courage and the technical skill, it's amazing. And yet so often what happens in these stories is people die. Or they spend a massive amount of time away from their families or other responsibilities. And others get stuck with cleaning up the mess or taking care of other things. It doesn't always have to be this way, but it can become quite a selfish endeavor for some. And that's just an example. We could probably find other such examples. Or uh, what, if, what if we're just not um, good at discerning what the passions are, where the heart is leading? One of my other watching habits as of late has been to binge watch a, a dating show that is god-awful. What they do is they take a collection of people, and they put them together, and they give them a set amount of time to find their perfect match as determined by professional matchmakers. They are not good at this. And it's watching a veritable train wreck, which is why it's amazing television. (laughs) Time and again, they say to people, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. They're following something. I don't think it's their heart uh, most of the time, and we'll leave it at that. Eventually, they kind of work it out, but it is very messy. Okay, say you found your passion. Maybe your passion is something you can do for a living. It's a pretty responsible life, and uh, you're good at following it. What if it dries up? The spark goes out. You've given everything to it. Then what? This is precisely the question that Elizabeth Gilbert asked. You may know Elizabeth Gilbert. She's made famous for writing Eat, Pray, Love, wildly successful book, and then film. And shortly after writing that, she hit the proverbial wall. In her own words, she couldn't write anything of consequence, anything profound or meaningful. She was dumbstruck. And that's when a friend of of hers gave her some sage advice. This is what she said. Take a break. Now that's great advice almost any time. Take a break. Slow down. Take a breath. You don't have to rush. I think we're resistant to that because we think we're going to lose time or fall behind. But the reality is... You're going to lose far less time slowing down and taking a break and recalibrating than you are sprinting off in another wrong direction. This is what her friend said. Take a break. Don't worry about following your passion for a while. Don't worry about following your passion for a while. Just follow your curiosity instead. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I just just feels lighter. It feels so heavy to have to throw all your eggs in the basket of following your passion and making that the sole focus of your life and your income. To instead say, well, just follow your curiosity. Because curiosity is iterative. It bounces around. You can kind of follow it like a thread. You can still make a living and be responsible and support yourself while following these curiosities over here and there. And there's so much less pressure on it that way. You don't have to go all in. And maybe more importantly, and to the point, Jesus never said, follow your passion. Didn't really seem interested in that. Jesus comes across those people who are out there fishing, and Jesus says, follow me. That's the path of the Christian. It's to follow Christ. Follow the passion of Christ, if you will. This is what McDevitt, who did that creative sermon series, said. When it comes to following your heart, you have only yourself to consult on what that means. Think of the pressure. You only get to consult yourself if you're dedicated only to following your passions. What it looks like or where it might lead, you only have yourself. But when it comes to following Jesus, not only do you have a giant book of instruction... Or I might reframe that and say a giant book of wisdom and story. You have a whole host of disciples to share the journey with you. The ancient disciples recorded in scriptures, the disciples and the saints throughout all of history, and the disciples sitting right next to you now. You've got a bigger vision, maybe a more beautiful vision I mean what you have in the gospel account is, do- is not a documentary that gives you every detail it's not Jesus said follow me they said well oh, okay they must have been captivated somehow by his vision or his presence or have heard him speak or seen him heal or somehow experienced something of him that made them interested I'll- I'll- I'll teach you to fish for people. We'll gather people in. We'll form a community. We'll live into another kind of kingdom where love reigns rather than all the other competing forces, and it will be like heaven but on earth. And they say, that's worth following. That's more than I could ever dream for myself, and thank God, because that's a lot of weight. Now, a word of caution because this might sound manipulative to those who are appropriately cautious about voices who tell you to give up your own sense of right or wrong and just trust us or trust this person. We've seen how that can go awry, right? Since my watching habits are on the table for today's sermon, I will say, I have noticed, have you not, on Netflix, the preponderance of cult documentaries? they must be really cheap to make, or we must be in a world of hurt in this country because there seem to be cults everywhere. And the classic cult routine is, don't trust yourself, trust me, right? Is that what we're about here? Am I just putting in Jesus in place of someone else? Uh, the young people are not stealing anything, by the way, If you're watching them go by. Uh, they, uh, time out sermon. Uh, they're the ones who are behind those God's doors who are open to all. Isn't that a lovely message, right? And they're in disrepair. So they're bringing them in to repair them and maybe work with buildings and grounds on a more permanent installation. So if you see them going by, rest assured they're not stealing anything. Where was I? <laughs> Cults. Yeah. How could I forget? The Presbyterian Book of Order, I'm quoting the Constitution two weeks in a row, so I should get a denominational sticker, maintains is adamant throughout the Constitution of the place of the individual conscience in pursuing the collective life of faith, that we build in protections saying, you should never do what in your heart of hearts you feel is wrong, is out of alignment, is out of alignment with Christ. So we're not telling you to give up on what you think you should do and just listen to what we think you should do. What we're saying is as you listen to yourself, what we're all after is discerning the way and the will of Christ. That's the only reason the church exists, right? Otherwise, we could be any other group in the world. That's our unique piece. It always comes back to discerning the way of Christ. Now, how do we do that? Well, of course, we study the scriptures. The most authoritative account of his life, and the way he lived, and, and what happened in that narrative arc, and what he taught. That's how we know Christ. And we know Christ, you might be interested, by doing the very work of deep listening to the self, and to the other, but to the self. Those things are not in um, mutual opposition. In fact, we believe that if you really learn to listen to the self through sort of the ego to the self within the self or the self beyond the self to a greater consciousness, that actually God reveals God's self to us there. The way of Christ, we would say, is there between us and deep inside us. So you can trust if you cultivate that well. We've seen examples where that isn't cultivated well. The church has not been immune from scandal. The church has not been immune from abusing power. It's not been uh, immune from missing the mark and manipulating people and all the terrible things you can imagine. But that's simply because it hasn't listened well enough. It has forgotten the stories of the scriptures or it's forgotten to listen to the Christ that is at the heart of all things. But if you really cultivate that well, you will find it there. And again, this is part of the tradition. Ignatian spirituality is founded in large part on the notion that you can trust, if you listen to your life, that God will lead you through it, through your experiences of peace and joy and fulfillment, that that's leading you somewhere. And likewise, if you were here last week, I quoted extensively from a Presbyterian writer named Frederick Buechner Beekner wrote an entire book called Listening to Your Life because you can trust if you really listen deeply, you will find something profound there that's deeper than just your surface passions. Again, we're searching for the passion of Christ, ultimately. When I was going through the ordination process, and which you do usually concurrently with seminary, the committee that guides young candidates through that said to me, When you go to seminary, we want you to visit as many different Presbyterian churches as you can. Don't just go to the same one every week. Go to something different every week. Yeah, it was was interesting. And I said, oh, trying to be a good little student, that makes sense. So I can learn what I like. I can learn what I might want to do. I can learn what ideas I might pick and choose to do in my own church. I, 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 And as I was going on, my nose getting browner and browner, my liaison from the committee interrupted me and said, No. You go and look for where Christ is. That's the path. Not where you like or want or this or that. You're looking for Jesus. That's the whole point. Now, I will say, that doesn't mean this is a joyless, you know, miserable existence of just responsibility and obligation. In fact, the wisdom of that is on the other end of that or all along the way is a deeper joy, a deeper peace than you could find if you just follow what you have. Remember, all on your own, this is a deeper path. So at the end of the day, I think the advice is the same. Whether you're going off to college, anybody here? I'm for college, another round, anybody? Yeah, okay or you're just going out the door in the morning. It's the same advice. Cultivate your passions. It's wonderful. Be in touch with the leadings that you feel deep in your heart. What brings you joy and comfort and peace? Reflect on your life. Seek wisdom outside yourself, in others, and in the great works that have preceded us. Attend to that. Ultimately, Look for where Christ is at work in the world. Named or unnamed, doing the work of reconciliation and healing and redemption. Look for that. And listen for ways in which you, with your particular gifts and sensibilities, are being invited into that. And then you simply echo those simple words of the prophet. Here I am. Send me to... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper, a a few words of instruction. Perhaps you're new here. Perhaps it's your first time back in a while. Just a couple of reminders. When the time comes, you'll be invited to come forward. We have an open table here, so anyone is welcome to partake of the elements. You'll come down to the center aisle. We tend to dismiss from the back. Uh, Come forward, and you can take the bread and dip it in the cup or the gluten-free wafer and dip it in the cup and partake in your own time returning your, to your seats from the outside. If you'd prefer to be served at your seat, we're happy to do that. We'll have uh, one roving team. Just raise your hand, indicate to one of us, and we're happy to serve you where you are. I will be up front to one of the sides standing if you'd like a time of personal prayer or to have a blessing. Are there any elders here today? Any current or former elders? Um, They may choose to also stand up either in the front or around the sides. Um, Prayer is not left to the professionals here. We believe in a priesthood of all believers. So the elders and deacons as well, if they'd like to stand up around the sides of the sanctuary, the front and the back, you can also approach one of them to be in prayer. Otherwise, they'll just be holding the entire body in prayer during that time. It is a long tradition in the church that we come to the table in peace, that Christianity is about reconciliation, and so we ritualize that by sharing the peace of Christ before we can partake of the elements as a way of symbolizing our dedication to the ministry of reconciliation in the world. So with that, will you turn to those around you and offer the peace of Christ to each other? This is the joyful feast. The joyful feast of the kingdom of God. According to Luke, it was when the risen Christ, so Christ after he died and been raised from the dead, is when the risen Christ appeared to his disciples. It was only when they were at table, when he broke bread, that their eyes were opened and they fully recognized him. And so is our prayer that as we come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, That our eyes will be more fully opened to the presence of Christ here. Friends, God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, O God. You who are the heartbeat of creation, you are the light within all light and the breath of life itself. You called your creation into being, and you called it good, and good it was, and good it remains. In the fullness of time, you made humanity in your image, likewise calling it good. Yet we acknowledge that as we have lived freely, we have not always lived fully, fully into the goodness that you desired for us. Yet when we have wandered, you have called us back home faithfully through the voices of conscience, Through the teachings of great teachers, through the examples and witness of the prophets in so many forms, we claim to have seen you in human form, O God, assuming the flesh of Jesus of Nazareth, who we know as Christ, the Anointed One. It's in his birth, in his life, his healing, his teaching, his modeling, his dying, his rising that we have seen you at work and have, call, have been called and sent to join in the coming and present kingdom. Just as Christ breathed the Holy Spirit upon his disciples, we ask that you would breathe your spirit upon us now, upon the bread, the cup, and this beloved community that we might grow ever reconciled and equipped for the ministry of reconciliation in the world. And now we join our hearts We join our voices with the saints of every time and place in the choirs of angels as we sing together.
1: night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes
0: come for all things are ready <laughs>
2: Come to the table of grace, come to the table of grace, this is God's table, it's not yours or mine, come to the table of grace. Come to the table of peace. Come to the table of peace. This is God's table, it's not yours or mine. Come to the table of peace. Of love. table of hope, come to the table of love, this is God's table, it's not yours or mine, come to the table of love, of hope to the table of hope, come to the table of hope, this is God's table, it's not yours or mine, come to the table of hope, of joy to the table of joy. Come to the table of joy. This is God's table, it's not yours or mine. Come to the table
1: Five
2: nineteen You are my strength when I am weak You are the treasure that I seek You are my all in all When I fall down you pick and dry. You fill my cup. You are my
0: Gracious and loving God, having filled us so abundantly at this table, we pray that you would nourish us as we go from here, that you would continue to fill us up, that we might be nourishment to your world, so give us the courage of Christ, the compassion of Christ, healing touch of Christ, the prophetic vision of Christ, and the reminder that we do not travel this journey alone. And we pray these things in the name of the one who binds us together forevermore. Amen. As so we move into a time of announcements, uh, again, remind you always to keep apprised of what's happening in the church through the weekly e news that you can get in your inbox. If you're not getting that, let us know through the website, through the announcements, in the bulletin. I won't repeat all of them here, but a couple of reminders here. You notice the diapers up front. We pair those with the sacrament to, as a reminder of how we give back to the community, we actually collect those all month long, all week long. As long as the building's open, you can leave them There's a wagon out in the narthex today where you can put them. It usually sits uh, just in the next building. Those go to those in need, and if you know how expensive diapers are, you know what a gift that is. Next week is a big week in the life of the church. It's our annual in-gathering, and the Congregational Life Committee has been working hard to, uh, to make that event happen. It's a great time for everybody to come back as the program year kicks off in earnest. We'd love to see you there. Uh, Stick around for a meal afterwards. After this service, we'll have a meal together. It's a fine time to bring uh, friends and visitors as well. Come as you are. It's also the beginning of, uh, a formal beginning at least, of uh, the Sunday Supper Club, which is kind of a... Alternative is not the word I want to use. It's another way of, of worshiping and being in Christian fellowship together. That group is really growing up organically in part to build a nice core that might appeal and serve the community that doesn't come to church on Sunday morning. And so there's been a core team hard at work building that ministry for the past several months, and that will be the kind of the uh, launch in so many ways. And these things all work together for the same church. This is the gift, right? We do things differently and in different spots and different times, all serving the great good of the one church. Ruthie, did you have an announcement? Perfect. Yeah, Ruthie reminds that it's a good time to, to um, jump in for the choir, too, as we start a new year. And you may have noticed over the last half year or so, we've intentionally been living into a different model of sorts in the way we do our music. It's not choir three times a month and then the band. It's choir periodically. It's the band once a month. It's different configurations of musicians uh, of different genres and, and different sorts throughout. And so, If you have a musical talent, I'd uh, love for you to see Ruthie so that we could enlist you in, in music, which is um, in so many ways the heart of the worship service. So we'd love to see you there. Anything else for the good of the group? Anything? Okay. Then our closing hymn is number 295, and I'll remind you we are singing verses 2 to 4. Mm-hmm. friends as you go from here maybe after you listen to the gorgeous postlude by the way will you go with the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god who is father and mother of us all in the sweet communion of the holy spirit this day and every day amen